What's going on, people? We have come to another episode of Moments with Mika. With Rick. And on this week's episode, we're going to be addressing mental health. Uh, it is still an issue. It's a very important issue. We've seen a lot of incidents throughout this year. And uh, we want to dive into it with a little bit more uh, information, statistics, and uh, what we can do to really uh, help the situation. So, me, uh, how was your week? I'm a little scared to ask. Ask about my week. <laughs> how was your week? <laughs> well, you know what? I will say this. Um, this week, um, I've been tested a lot this week. Okay. And I think that overall, I've learned a lot of different things that I probably should have learned in the past. But it took me now to learn that, you know what? Take control. Take power. Take your power back, basically. And that's kind of what I did all week this week. I mean, right. um, I've been attacked. I've been lied about. I've been threatened. You know, I've been used. All, you know, it's been going on for a while, but this week has been a week where everything is just this day this, this day that, this day this. You know, so it's been something every way. Like, every time I turn, every time I look at my phone, it's something different. Okay. So... I learned this week that you know what sometimes it's not about talking about what you want to do and it's not about talking about how you're upset it's about taking action and I'm not just talking about throwing some hands or anything like that that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is if you have the power in yourself to take action and keep shining bright I say do it so I've taken a lot of action this week um, I was at a point this week where I couldn't even focus on my business stuff because I was focusing on negativity that was going on. Okay. You know, and then also I was thinking about certain things. Like sometimes it's, you're not even a problem. Sometimes it's just that when you're doing your thing, people will just attack you. Well, that's, no, what, that's how you know you're doing the right thing. Exactly. So, you know, I stayed in my mind. I stayed in my own zone this week. I mean, I usually always stay in my zone, but this week. It was hard to say, you know what? Stay in your zone. Stay focused. Like, it was hard for me to do a, the interview with my sister, which is coming up really soon. Okay. Um, but it was hard to do anything. I mean, I think I sent you a text message like, I think we need to get another person involved because it's a lot going on. It's a lot that I have on my plate with, you know, trying to work. You're trying to do your business. We're trying to do the show. We're trying to do the clothing line. So it became a lot. But I told myself, you know, I'm not going to overwhelm myself. And I'm not going to let somebody have the power over me to stop me to get into where I got to go. So either way, no matter what you throw at me, no matter what you say about me or what you're trying to do to me, I'm going to always rise to the top. Oh, preach. You know? So I've been just kind of uplifting myself. And it is May, Mental Health Awareness Month. Absolutely. And I feel like this is the perfect show and the perfect week to do this show because I've been tested a lot. Um, it was times that I just wanted to cry because I was like, why is people attacking me? I don't bother nobody. I stay in my own lane. And sometimes it's not about what you do to other people. It's just about people just not liking you, clearly not liking you for no reason. Yeah. So my week, Rick, has been a test. And I believe 100% of myself that I passed it. And I believe that it's something great that's about to happen. So I'm just, I'm excited. I like that energy. How like was your week? Energy. My week was actually uh, pretty interesting. So um, I've been working heavy on getting my kitchen done. So I've actually started designing my furniture and building it. I actually started production this week. Mm -hmm. So uh, I should be done with the whole kitchen next week, which is a good step towards the future. 
Um, also been moving forward to push the business forward a lot, like on all aspects. So I've been getting my marketing information together mm -hmm. um, because uh, we do need to do a lot more marketing with the t-shirts the and all of that. Right. So I've been getting a lot of assets together for that. Um, as well as I had a lot of good quality time with my son. Mm -hmm. Like, I see why people end up being stay-at-home parents. Right. Like, the little guy is amazing, and he's been doing some amazing things. Today um, is two days after his... Uh, him being two months, uh, he crawled to his mama today. Aww. He didn't really crawl. But he did a little scooch. He did like a little low crawl. A little scooch. It, 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 was, it was hard. <laughs> he was screaming the whole way. Like he was putting his all into it. And that right there let me know that the little boy is going to be a fighter. Because uh, he struggled. But he wasn't crying. He was just, you know, like when you like pushing. Yeah. And people be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was doing that. I like, it sounded like constipation. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> all of that. But um, he was smiling. He got his laugh down pack. He got the side eye thing back. Mm. And he be throwing hands. I wonder where hands. he got that from. I don't know. I don't side eye people. Mm. But uh, then he be throwing them hands. I be trying to tell him, like, before you throw the hands, you got to talk. So I be like, all right, so let's do A, B, C. But once you say A, he throws his hands up and start kicking and swinging. And I'm like, okay. If you don't want to fight, don't talk to me. <laughs> hands and feet. So my son is going to be about them hands and feet. Don't get in trouble with him. He will throw hands and feet. Told him the only fair fight is the fight that you're not in. That's true. That's 100% true. So it's been an outstanding and amazing week for me. I've enjoyed myself. But uh, now it's time to get back to the grind. Shoot. Wait, first of all, let's just get into this because this is just itching my soul when i say it's itching my soul to talk about this and i don't even <laughs> i don't think i can really wait until the end of the show let's just hit a few seconds of this abortion stuff that's going on like how how alabama how hey at the point of conception look if you if you in alabama and you touch somebody it is now illegal to get an abortion at point of conception yeah. which means a plan b will be illegal. I don't think so. I don't think no. a plan B can be illegal. Only because the plan B pill is exactly what it is. It's not pregnancy. It is the second step if a condom breaks. That means if you're going to eliminate plan B, you better be sure to get a condom that will not break. Period. But at the point of conception, that's not a, a pregnancy either. But how they do still they, they still swimming through the tubes. Mm -hmm. But it's illegal to do anything to prevent that uh or to Stop or but it's to end kill the feed, that possible prick. It's not a fetus, fetus yet. At, it's not a fetus at conception, but it's illegal at conception. First of all, if the if the state, I'm gonna just say this: if the government is gonna try to tell us what to do with our bodies, first protect. Oh, they're not them. trying. They're not trying. Well, then they need to start protecting us. It's out there. It's still a lot of stuff that we need to address that we not address. Not everybody that's trying to run for a president is like, oh yeah, we're against abortions. Okay, but also, are you against the, like, what about the guns? What about black people still getting shot by the police? Like, what about all these videos, the brutalities, everything that's going on? We're only going to focus on abortions because it's the top thing right now? I feel like what they're doing right now is you start a whole bunch of fires. So nobody can actually be united on one idea. Because you got the abortion people marching right now. Mm -hmm. Then you got the women's rights people marching right now. Mm -hmm. You got the LGBTQ uh, people getting into an incident because there was somebody who had a situation overseas. 
that they found out if you don't have a marriage license, it could become a, a potential issue getting your kids back over here or getting your kids citizenship. So you got people arguing for that. Uh, you got multiple states banning abortion. So that's sending people in a whirlwind. And then um, is it Missouri? Yep, Missouri. Missouri it was next. Uh, Missouri has a a known pedophile. Is it? I have to check on this one. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't even put it out there yet. But there is a known pedophile um, going to be running for office again. He was in office. He lost, and now he's going back. So um, I don't know what's going on in America, but well, I got something to say on behalf of all women, and I'm gonna just turn this song up real loud. Listen, government. It will be a girl's fight if you try. Don't don't bring that to Michigan because I'm sorry. I feel like a woman should be able to do, if that's what you want to do, sis, by all means. I'm not trying to stop you from living your life or however you want to live your life. But what you're not going to do is tell us what we can and cannot do with our bodies. So, I mean, if it's more women than men, we can fight. Okay? Ladies, take off the wigs. All right? Put them bonnets <laughs> on because we're about to go into war. <laughs> but... That was just, I just wanted to touch on that topic because, you know, it's just too much going on. Uh, Georgia has passed after six weeks. You cannot get an abortion. So. Yeah. Georgia. Okay. So the states that's involved with it now, it's Georgia, Ohio, Alabama, Texas, and um, there's a couple more. I have to look those up. I will put those up on the site. Um, But the most extreme is Alabama. Well, guess what? It's about to be a what? Girl fight. And that also includes uh, rape victims and incest. Uh, none of you can uh, be getting abortions out here. So go to California. <laughs> go to California. <laughs> Ready yet? It's probably going to be in your uh, neighborhood hotel, motel pretty soon. If they're going to ban it, they're going to find a way to still Coming do it. Coming to a Walmart near you. Exactly. So with that being said... Oh. What? What you Keep got? Going. What you got? Because there is uh, another thing that's going on with this new trade war that uh, Trump is having with China. I didn't hear about it. What is prices it? are going up for what? Walmart just announced that they're going to be raising the prices on multiple items throughout the store because the price of the tariff is going up mm-hmm. to get the uh, stuff here. Oh. So with Trump imposing more pricing on China mm-hmm. on the back end, companies have to pay more to get the stuff. So, all of those uh, good discounts that you used to at Walmart might be out the door. And think, mm. take this into account. China makes 73% of the shoes in America. Mm. Well, it seems to me that somebody needs to use their gifts and start making stuff out here. Or be a new plug. <laughs> but we'll be right back after this. Alright, so let's jump in and let's get into some numbers real quick. Okay. So, first thing first. One out of five adults in the United States, which is 46.6 million people, experience mental health issues every year. And that's nearly one in 25 uh, per 10 million adults in America living with a serious mental issue. Right. And also, one out of five youth, so this is 13 to 18, experience severe mental health disorders also as well. So that's like you're seeing... 1.1 1.1 adults in the United States lives with schizophrenia. 2.6 has bipolar. 6.9 at least have some type of major depressive episode per year. And 18% of us is experiencing anxiety. 
um, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and phobias. Those are all considered to be some type of mental health illness. Right. So now these have consequences. Uh, with these consequences, you have 10.2 million uh, that has co-occurrences of mental health and addiction disorders. Uh, 26% of homelessness uh, adults stand in shelters or uh, on the street uh, have serious mental illness. Um, that also brings me back to uh, our episode two when we uh, interviewed those guys who was homeless. Yeah. One guy said he actually removed himself from the home because of his mental condition. Right. So uh, these are real statistics. And approximately 24% of state prisoners um, have some sort of mental condition as well. And also, with all of us giving all these numbers, it's still 60% of adults that have a mental issue that do not receive the actual service. When lined up, the um, actual, I can't even say the word right. <laughs> How do you say the word right? Because I can't say it right. Like, you know, the, um, what's the word? You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. The, 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 I don't. The, 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 the. <laughs> that word. Yeah, that, that word, one. no. <laughs> I can't say it right, so I don't want to say it. So when lined up to where? Just say the word. Like, no, because I don't want to say it wrong. Okay. And you know how I say words wrong. Okay, just say the word. Because when I, I say cow keys and cow keys, and people don't think that it sounds the same, these are two words that sound the same, people. I okay. don't care. I don't the, care. Uh, but, okay, look. No, ethnicity. <laughs> okay. Um, say it right. Say it right. <laughs> ethnicity? Yes. Okay. When, <laughs> it's lined, <laughs> when it's lined up, it's, it's said that African Americans... <laughs> And Hispanics, they get half of the mental health treatments than a white American gets. So that means that our community, the black community, the Hispanic, the Latino community, half of us, we may need the the services, but we're not going. Well, it's not just that we're not going. You think about the cost of the services. Um, One, the free services that are actually in the community are usually overbooked, right? Um, understaffed, uh-huh. because before my grandmother died, she was a social worker uh, for the mental health clinic, or uh, not mental health clinic, but she worked down on the boulevard, mm-hmm. the boulevard in Dexter, um, and she went out and she provided services for um, people with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're grossly understaffed, they're grossly overworked, and they're constantly taxed with new with new uh, tasks when they still have other people they still need to help with the old tasks. So it's like when you're not getting the proper treat or you're not getting the proper financing or you don't have the money to do it, it goes undiagnosed or untreated. But then you look at the people who mainly have the, the funds and the affordability to do it are the people who's getting the treatment and they still fall in the bracket of having the highest percentage of mental health issues. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because it actually, this chart that I have breaks it down a little bit more. So if we look at the LGBTQ community, um, these individuals, it said they're two times more likely than a straight person to have a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. It's also said that 11% of trans- transgender individuals reported that they've been discriminated against when they tried to get some type of help from a mental health um, cl- clinic itself. Also, it said that 
um, in this community, the youth in the community are two or three times more likely to commit suicide rather than a straight person. And it's probably because they're being, you know, picked on. So just like you said, it's a lot of barriers when it comes to getting the help. Like, right. you know, some of us don't have the access. And then who want to constantly pay these deductibles and co-pays to go there? And some of us, right. we don't have health insurance. It's expensive. So it's like, it's a lot that's going against us when it comes. And also, it's a barrier sometimes. Language yeah. barriers is different things. So culturally speaking, you know, we're not getting all the help that we actually need. And it's something that we need to discuss. So like we said, it's one in five Americans that experience some type of mental health disorder. And that's just from people that they've... Um, I guess study that actually went to get help. So let's look at it. In your family, I'm pretty sure there's more more than five people in your family. Absolutely. So in your family, it could be someone that is actually experiencing um, anxiety, um, having depression issues, and you may not know it because they may not be as comfortable to talk about it with you because they don't know how you will look at them or how you would characterize them or label them. Well, you also have, um, those are the most popular forms of mental health issues. Right. But uh, you also have, like, uh, still, I can't say this word, uh, dis- disassociative. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> say it again. <laughs> disassociative issues where uh, people can isolate themselves. Right. That is a mental health issue. It is. And a lot of things that we don't look at to actually be mental health issues or to address as a mental health issues are things that also needs help as well. Right. And with those things not being among the most popular uh, issues that people face, mm-hmm. it's like really who do you talk to or where do you go to get help for it? Exactly. And also like most women after they have a kid, they have that PTSD. Yep. So and that's also considered mental, you know, a mental illness. Yes. Even though you may not like the name of it and the label of it, you know, a lot of the things that we experience can be considered, you know, a mental illness or just a mental condition. So, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump into the interview. Um, this interview is awesome to me because I was able to interview my sister and um she has a book out. It's called Soul Tea, it's a poem book. And it is available on Amazon, so look her up. Her name is Shay Johnson, and let's get right into this interview. Hey, y'all. So I'm back, but I am not alone. I have Shay with me, and a lot of you guys don't know who Shay is. Shay is actually my sister. This is Yolanda's daughter. Yolanda is my dad's wife. So hey, Shay. Hey. Um, I wanted to have Shay on a show this month because um, me and her... And the family, we always, you know, we're the girls that kind of, <laughs> what, what did I say? Um, they call us the crazy ones. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, and I just thought that it would be great for us to do a show. show um, Shay has actually a book that's out right now. It's called So Tea. It's a poem book. And I wanted to kind of go over her, her book with you guys and kind of give you guys more information so you can go ahead and purchase it. Um, one thing, let's really just get right into it. Um, what inspired you to write your book? Well, I started off trying to journal out my feelings when I began therapy back in 2016. But I would say that reading back my feelings, it just felt heavy and dark. And that made me extremely uncomfortable. I didn't like feeling like I was the one creating that. So discovering poetry through um, Tumblr and Twitter... I found some writers and I purchased their poetry books and I just was kind of really inspired how they were able to talk about their darkness in such a beautiful way. So I tried it out and I liked it 
and it kind of made me feel good to be able to express myself in that way. And then me sharing some of my work, people would hit me up and say, you know, I like this and I'm inspired by you and asking me questions about how do I get through it. So one day it just kind of clicked like I should take this and put it in the book. Okay. So um, to kind of go a little bit deeper in it, um, what it what like made you go to see a therapist in 2016? So for a while before I even thought about going to therapy, I had been just feeling down and sad all the time. And I just remember sitting in my room for hours crying, not really understanding why I'm crying and not being able to really control it. Mm. And it was just one day I was getting ready for work and I just couldn't do it. I just broke down on the floor and I'm like, something's not right. Like, I really don't feel like something is right. And I need to find out what's going on. So I Googled what I should do and therapy came up. So I started Googling therapists in my area and I found a therapist. I emailed her for an appointment and I was there like two days later. And that's kind of something... That's kind of um, something that like kind of happened to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my I would always consider myself to have I guess good mental health mm-hmm. when I was younger, um, but I think when my grandmother passed, like everything just kind of hit, and I was kind of the same way where I would yeah. just just cry and just not not know why I'm crying. But you just be just real emotional. Yeah. And I think that it's like, it's a lot of people that are afraid to, you know, talk about that type of stuff. And sometimes, because you know how people characterize it, it's like being just really emotional. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really see mental health as being a real thing. So. Yeah. Because I hear a lot of jokes, a lot of people like make jokes about like, you know, anxiety is fake and, you know, different things like that. Yeah. Um, so you were inspired to write a write a book, and you were you had your way of um kind of expressing yourself now. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say like if someone was listening to the show and they're trying to find what how they can express their, themselves? How would you what would you say? Well, I would definitely say you can never go wrong with writing it out. Like you can go get a journal from like Dollar Tree and just write it out. And start from there because, you know, your feelings are yours, so you have to start with yourself. So try journaling. If it doesn't work, you know, reach out to a friend or a family member if they're not really understanding you and they don't get it and they're maybe not making you feel better. Therapy is definitely something I would recommend. Like, it has changed my life and definitely helped me through some tough times. So I would recommend therapy to any and everybody. Now, would um, what therapy... Um, some people are afraid to go to therapists because they think that automatically it means that they're getting put on pills mm-hmm. or something like that. And a lot of people know that therapists just, they, they talk to you. They do. So a lot of people aren't really educated on those type of things. So they don't know how to distinguish the differences in it. Yeah. Um, what I would ask you is, um, what do you consider men- good mental health to be? Um, good mental health is being able to be in a moment that I would say stressful and hard, but you're able to see yourself through it. You're able to push yourself through it with 
minimum stress. Getting through a stressful situation with minimum stress on yourself. So for me, I do my best to kind of like cheer myself through a situation or a moment and definitely be patient with yourself and ultimately just forgiving yourself. So if you do slip up and have a bad moment, practicing good mental health would definitely be just saying, okay, I forgive myself for that and I'm going to do better next With the police and it's becoming hostile or aggressive and sometimes people feel like you got to show that you have the one up. Mm -hmm. The problem with the one up is if you get shot and you die, yeah, you had the one up. You're not here to enjoy that one up. Yeah, but also back in the day, um, being I guess police officers were more respectful to the public um, in a way, and we were respectful back. So well, here in Detroit, uh, we had the Coleman Young. Uh, he had this whole thing that they had to work in the neighborhoods they lived in. So you know that made it a little bit better, mm-hmm. somewhat. Because, like, I remember our high school truant officer. As a matter of fact, I just seen him the other day at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a police officer for the schools because in that day, we didn't have just truant officers. We had the Cranberries, which was gang squad. Mm-hmm. We had the black cars, which was the narcotics. And then you had regular police officers. You never wanted to get caught by the Cranberries because everybody was in the gang in their mind. And they're not taking you to jail. They're just going to beat you up and send you on your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Narcs. You really didn't have to deal with them unless you had narcotics on you. They really bother everybody. And the regular police, they wasn't giving out tickets like everybody thought they was. Like, kids today, you truant, you get a ticket, mm. your parents get a ticket. No. I did many a push-up, pull-up, getting dropped back off at the school by the truant officer. So, I mean, though we hated him then, mm-hmm. like, he did the right thing. Take you back to school, make you go to school. You in one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city. Like, you're not going to pay this ticket. I doubt your parents is going to pay this ticket. So, mm-hmm. go back to school. Very so, true. I mean, all of those things were the good side of it. But still, you always got to see the negative light of dealing with the police coming up also. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember um, it was one time, and I'm be like super quick. Um, but it was one time, um, I was riding with my cousin to go pick up his friends from uh, college. And it was by, I want to say it was by Central Michigan. I forgot the school. But uh, we were riding on our way back home. We got the guys. So it's, it basically looked like a car for the black people, right? Yep. And we were driving past Howell, Michigan. You nope. know, that area Mm-mm. is not Mm-mm. really, Mm-mm. you know. So Even to wasn't doing, yeah, wasn't doing anything wrong. Police pulls us over. Other police on the other side of the ca- car holding his gun. Like, because, you know, it's a car full of black people. Like, you know, and that was the first time I was like, wow. Like, you, you know, when you weren't doing anything at all. So, you know, we experienced that. Like, even in school, when I moved out to the neighborhood that I lived in, like in New Haven, when I first moved out there, it was a little bit racist. You know, I got called a nigga a couple times. And, you know, it's some things that people don't discuss or something like that. But it's something to really deal with, like talk about. Right. You know, because some people don't really don't think it's a difference in growing up black. Like, sometimes when I get pulled over by a cop, I even know I'm not doing anything wrong. But I get nervous. Right, you never know. What what kind of day is he having? Right, right. Is this it? Yep. So, I mean, it's definitely those things that, that still lingers around. Mm-hmm. And we still have to deal with it. Yeah. Hopefully it get better one day, though. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it has no choice but to get better. I'm going to make sure that my environment gets better. No matter what. We Even if that means years. that I need to strap people to chairs and play the happy <laughs> song for 24 hours, we're going to fix this. 
<laughs> but we will be back now it's time for your hot topic and we're back and the hot topic for today is really going to be um, about what's happening next so we all know that the shutdown was supposed to end um, on Friday, right? Which it did. You know, is the government has been open. It's going to remain open, but Great. the president has decided to declare a state of emergency. Why? Because he thinks that there's a threat at the border. From who? The kids and the women that are sitting there and trying to get help. Are they carrying like nuclear weapons or? No, nope. they're carrying whatever they can hold in their hands, like their drugs? kids. No drugs. Nope, big trying, guns. No, they're trying to get away from the drugs and the guns and everything. Okay, they got little guns. The babies are the guns. What are they going to do? So we need to build a whole wall to stop a bunch of women, children, and escaping people. Because they could come with threats or something. How about build tents and house them there and assess the threat level there? Because it costs too much. To feed all those people that are trying to get in. And $5 billion for a wall? Yeah. It's going to keep them out. <laughs> it's going to be cheaper, huh? Yep. It's going to keep them out. The okay. thing is, the people is going to, if they're coming, they're going to come anyway. Exactly. And if we set up a wall, what you're going to do is just create an environment in which they have to either live at the wall mm-hmm. or they're going to find another way around. Or under. Yeah. We've been it's under- better to address the issue Like, head on Mm -hmm. and see what you can do to deter the issue Mm -hmm. than putting up a wall, which is just going to make people think of more creative ways to get here. Yeah, we've done the Underground Railroad before. Yep, it doesn't happen. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's really, I mean, I don't really know. I don't think that it's an emergency, really, but he wants his wall. He's going to do whatever he, you know, wants or needs to do to get the money for his wall. So, I guess this is the next option. But I would say this, you know, keep some spare cash at your house, um, not just bank money, because um, we all seen a few years ago where I think something was happening in France and it was like one ATM that was working. So people were like in a long line to get money. Keep some spare cash on you, you know, every now and then. Try to keep at least $20 maybe in your car. Keep your gas up. Keep some batteries and keep everything. Keep food. Exactly. Keep water at the house. You don't, you never know. Because what's real is, if there's a real collapse of the government, even the cash value is going to collapse. Right. So, like, make sure you have the necessities to be able to sustain your life. Mm-hmm. Food, water, um, blankets for warmth. You should always have you, like, a little go bag. Um, mm-hmm. I call it, we call it a go bag in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. It's just a bag that has you ready to go. Mm-hmm. Everything you need to survive for whatever period of time you think is uh, necessary, have that. Yeah, and then also have a plan. Like, if you are separated from your family, like, let's say it's a work day. You at work, mm-hmm. your other family, you just get home from school or something. Get a plan where y'all all go meet. You know, no matter right. what, we're going to meet at this location. We're going to get to this. So, like, me and my mom already got it. Like, you know, if anything was to happen or anything bad... We are meeting at my auntie Janet house. Right. Her house is on the west side. So, you know, it's different plans. You have to have different plans um, set up for just in case anything happens. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to make everybody aware. And just keep that as a hot topic just to know, like, you know, things is going to be shaking up a little bit. What is, what, what's that thing? Is things is getting too spicy for the pepper? Is that is that how they say it? Things are getting too spicy for the pepper. I, I ain't never heard that one. <laughs> that one didn't happen growing up black. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's. It was, I think that was a like Logan for um, one of the hot sauce. 
commercial. <laughs> These are getting too spicy for the pepper. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. But yeah, that's that has been the show, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, just trying to throw some facts out there about how we grew up. Absolutely. So, Rick, anything else you got to say? Well, um, had my baby shower last week. I want to thank everybody who came out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up is waiting for the kid to come. So all of the well wishes. I definitely do appreciate it. Thank you for all the love, all the support. And um, that's all for me. Well, I hope you guys had a great week. Push forward to another great week. And we'll be back in a few days. Peace. We all got it together. Everyone is dealing with something. Like me, I'm trying to focus on not feeling so hurt. Like I said, five times out of the week, I feel like I'm hurt. Like I feel like I need to sit in the room and cry for a second and get it out. And I be trying to figure out like, what is the problem? What is wrong? But it's me trying to really fix every little tiny issue that I've stored in the back of my mind trying to fix it so I can move forward. So I always ask myself, like, I'm doing all this. I'm trying to help all these people, and nothing is working for me. Right. Nothing is working. Like, I'm giving this money. I'm trying to build a show. I'm trying to do the clothing line thing, and nothing is working. And it's only because I still have to grow, and that's something that I have to learn. Like, you know, patience, grasshopper, you still got to grow. You still got to go through certain levels to get to where you're going. And I think everybody should think about that in life. Like, even though you're not where you think that you should be or you're not happy with things, it's levels. You got to heal. You got to take time and really get to the nitty gritty of what the issue is before you can actually move to the next level. Right. Well, the main thing that I've been working on is I have this slight paranoia that, you know, people are going to try to get over. Yeah. I have the, this this serious paranoia of it. Like, I've had some experience in my life. Where, you know, you have seen that situation. Mm-hmm. And it comes from people like... Reporting, like, if you come to this program, the kind of reporting you'll do is be on serious topics, like politics and anything. Are you comfortable with that? Um, I never covered those kind of serious issues because school newspapers don't really tackle them as much as they should. Like, my um, my newspaper, they're starting to branch out to that kind of stuff, but they don't really tackle, like, hard-hitting things like elections or anything like that. So I was like, I'm open to it, but it's just something I never did, I've never done. Um, so, uh, so I was like, I, I don't know. And I really thought that I had bombed the interview, but then I got the email. I was like, no, congratulations, you've been accepted. And, um, one of the great things about this program is like, once you get in, like, you don't have to do anything else. Like, you don't have to worry about getting out there. You don't have to worry about like paying for like rooming or food or anything like, like cover all of your expenses. So they flew me out to Princeton. I stayed there for 10 days and basically had like, um, different workshops and classes about different aspects of journalism from photography to news reporting to like writing opinion pieces all of this um, for like 10 days for some of like the best journalists in the country people that work for like the Washington Post New York Times uh, I, got to, I got one of the days went to New York I got to tour the Huffington Post and all of these like, some of these like top companies companies like for aspiring journalists like myself they're like dream companies so I was really crazy it was like honestly one of the best experiences of my life I got to meet some really great people because the program invites 40 low-income students from all over the country so I got to meet people from California there was one from Alaska it was just all over the country really like 
bright students um, and really, like, passionate. And, you know, they're all going to, like, really great schools now. And we still keep in touch, so it's really nice. Um, but, yeah, it was one of the best experiences while I was there. And um, one of the shocking things, which actually led me to maybe want to apply to Princeton, was um, I was I was there, and we had to, like, uh, the program ends with you, like, the students publishing, like, a newspaper called the Princeton Summer Journal, where they cover things that they, topics that they learned about during the summer. Um, so I was writing a draft for an article, and actually, and um, the counselors for the program, all these, like, accomplished journalists, they were also, would edit our work. And the first person to edit, edit my work is actually the founder of the program. His name is Richard Justin. He's the, currently the editor of the Washington Post, like a really big guy working for like one of the top newspapers like in the world, like kind of like, has like my dream job, the editor of like a big magazine. Um, he was like, hey, are you done with your article? I was like, um, yeah, I guess. I was super, he was like, can I read it? Can I like look it over, you know, edit it? I was like, yeah, sure. I was like super nervous. I was like, oh my God, my writing sucks. It's gonna be like so bad. He's gonna cut into me. Um, because I've been told, like, obviously I've been told before, but my English is just like, no, you're a really good writer. But like for someone like him, like I know he has just like, he's really high standards. He's done this for so many years. And he works for one of the best magazines in the country. So I'm like, oh my God, maybe my writing isn't as good as I thought. But then he read over my article and he looked at me and he was like, he was like, he was like, nice job. He's like, you are a really good writer. I was like, what? I was completely shocked. I never had someone of like that status, like in my mind. I never had someone tell me like, you are like really good. Like this is like, you're talented. Um, he gave me like a few edits and I like, I was like, yeah, of course. But like, I was so shocked. He was like, wow. He's like, where are you thinking of applying? Cause um, he started the program. He's a Princeton alumnus. That's why I like the program is, uh, through Princeton, he uh, realized, like, he wanted to diversify newsrooms, because he kind of thought they were just full of, like, old white guys, but they, he tried to, tried to diversify newsrooms so that women, people like me, like, women of color, and, like, um, more, like, Hispanic and Asian people and LGBTQ people could be represented in, like, all these, like, the top newsrooms. So he was like, hey, have you, where, like, where have you thought of applying? And I was like, right now in Northwestern, but if not, I'll go to, like, a school in state. Like, one of my other top choices, like, Grand Valley, because I got the chance to tour that campus. I thought it was really nice. He was like, have you never thought about applying to somewhere like Princeton or Hartford? I was like, no, that's, like, that's kind of crazy. Like, I'm, you know, people where I'm from, I'm from Detroit, like, people who don't really go to those schools, and when they do, it's, like, a huge thing, like, it's all over the news, so I'm, like, I, know I didn't, I mean, I, I think I'm smart, but I, I, not, like, that level smart, he was, like, I don't know, I think you could be really good, and then, um, over the course of the program, I wrote some more articles, and more of some of the other journalists, they edited my thing, and they, they edited my work, and they were, like, they all said the same thing, it's, like, that you have a talent, like, you're really good at this, like, you can, like, your writing is, like, good at, one told me, like, your writing is good enough for, like, professional, a professional newsroom, like, right now, I was, like, are you serious, like, I, I never, it was, it was so, like, surreal to me, I knew I loved to write, and I knew I wanted to be a writer, but for them to tell me that, I was just, it blew my mind, um, so, the way the program works is, like, at the end of the program, after all, they, everybody's written an article, and the paper has been published, they, um, they, they're really passionate about college access and pairing like low income and underrepresented students like people of color to get to some of the best universities in the country. They pair you with um, college access counselors who will help you and like 
choosing a list of where to apply and helping you apply, helping edit your essays, um, and then helping you figure out, like, financial aid packages because, like, we are low-income students, like, figure out, like, how we can afford college if we can get some of the best universities in the country because it's pretty well known that these top universities cost, like, an arm and a leg to attend. So I got paired with my mentor. Her name is um, Megan Greenwell. She's currently the editor-in-chief of an online sports magazine based in New York called Deadspin. And Megan, she's honestly one of the best women to come into my life. She's been so supportive and just so kind to me. And we've been in contact almost every day since August when I went to the program. So um, in September, she like she asked me kind of the same questions that I was asked at the program. Like, hey, where are you thinking of applying? And I told her. And she was like, can I be honest with you? I'm like, sure. She's like, yeah, those schools are great. Like, you know, state schools and Northwestern. But she's like, you're honestly one of the most brilliant students and one of the best writers I've ever seen come to this program. The program's been running for 17 years. So I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, she's like, you were truly talented. And I'd hate to see you waste your potential on one school when you could get it to, like, some of the best schools in the country. So I think you should try you should apply to someone like princeton like harvard and i was like oh my god i just like it thought never crossed my mind i think maybe once when i was back in like ninth grade i thought maybe i could uh because everyone always told me i'm smart so i was like maybe i'll i'll try to apply to one of those schools but not like i'm invested in it because that like never happened it was like i was like maybe i'll apply to like dartmouth or something just to see like it you know because i thought that was a really cool school i didn't end up applying to dartmouth but after ninth grade i kind of just dismissed those thoughts i was like no ivies are like way too crazy so i just i just completely removed them from my head but she like she put she planted the seed like back in my head she's like no i think you should really do it so I worked with her over two months, up, and like, yeah, from October to November, we did everything, got my letters of recommendation, um, and talked to my counselors, and, like, the biggest thing that she helped me with were my essays, and helping me figure out how can I, like, effectively, you know, tell my story, so she, I, um, I wrote about, you know, like, my struggles, like, moving around a lot and being isolated as a kid and not really feeling like I fit in but always just loving school and like loving writing and just yeah I just spoke about that um a lot and how like um I also wrote about one of my other essays like after I got home from the program like everyone was like in awe it was like how did you like even if I even though I hadn't gone into school you're like how did you get to a place like that and I was like I don't know and they're like wow like this is this is crazy and I realized that like I don't want to be like I appreciate when everyone like the attention everyone gets me but I don't want to be like singled out as like the one girl from Detroit who like got into a place like Princeton like I don't want to be singled out like that I want to like encourage like the success and like the full potential of Every anybody who feels like like a school like Princeton just is impossible for them because maybe of their background or they just like never heard of a school like that. Like I want to encourage that, especially within my own city, because I see like so many like hardworking youth who just like never get a chance to achieve like what do you ever get a chance to achieve like their dreams like the fullest potential. So um, I wrote about that in my essay. I was like. No, I don't want to be the only one who has the chance to, like, go to a place like Princeton or gets, like, letters in the mail. Like, I got so many, like, 
letters in the mail from a bunch of different colleges and not just like like state schools like some of the best schools in the country like hey we um you saw like your test scores you scored did really high and we like your grades and we're like we think you would do well in applying so i was like i don't want to be like the only one i want to help um as many students as i can like achieve to like the best of their abilities too so i wrote about that and um i applied to princeton early um a uh a common theme like between all the Ivy League schools that you can only, if you apply to them, you can only apply to them early. You can't apply to any other schools. So I applied to Princeton early by November 1st, and that way I could hear back December 15th. Um, the plan was, like, if I got into Princeton, then I didn't have to apply to a bunch of different schools. But if I didn't get in early, maybe I got deferred to regular action. I found out at the end of March that I applied to a bunch of different schools. Because the program right now, they recommend that students apply to between 15 to 20 different schools because they know that like some of the, like these schools, they um, are very particular about admissions. Like some, they have really low admissions rates. And I think Harvard this year only accepted like 4.5% of its applicants. So they're really competitive and they don't want the students to all cast their, um, net, like into one bucket. Um, so they say apply to like 15 to 20 different schools, cast a wide range and just see where you, like where it ha- like what can happen. Um, so my mentor was like, okay, your top choice is Princeton. You've applied early. We'll see what happens to that. Um, and if, like, if you don't get in, like, either they reject you or they defer you to regular action, then you can apply to the other, I had, like, 17 other schools on my list. Um, so I applied to Princeton, and then I also, I applied to Princeton early, then I also applied to Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania, that was, that's the Ivy based in Philadelphia. I, they got the chance to go there. They flew me out. I did um did these things called fly-in programs, where you like you. It's kind of like a mini college application essay. You write like a short um essay and like your interests and put like GPA test scores, whatever. And if you get in, they will fly you out to like the college campus so you can see the campus, see if you like it, and then you can identify it as a place you maybe actually want to go to for college so I did that fly-in program and I, I liked Penn I thought it was really nice um and it became my second choice like after Princeton um so December 15th rolls around like the day early admissions come out and like my heart is beating like so fast like I'm freaking out I was like oh my god what have I gotten myself into like this is crazy I applied to one like the, literally the top school in the country and what was I doing thinking I could get into a school like this? And then, like, the results were released at 7 p.m. Um, I had to go online and check my application portal. And, like, the first thing I see is congratulations. And I literally just freak out. I was like, oh, my God, how did I how did I do this? This is, like, absolutely insane. I got into, like, and I got into an Ivy League school, like, a school like Princeton. Um I was freaking out. My mom, there's actually a 30-second video we uploaded to YouTube. It was, like, a thousand views or whatever of me just, like, screaming at the top of my lung. Like, I'm jumping around my living room because I, I can't believe it. I started crying. My mom started crying. And she was like, yes, yeah, like, all the hard work you put in, it, it's, like, it works. Like, you, you've accomplished this. You should be proud of yourself. Like, I know, you know, your childhood wasn't best and you had to go through a lot but you overcame all of it and you just really 